My name's Marcus, and I'm no expert comic book collector. With help from some not like-minded friends and you, our audience, I want to explore the amazing medium of comic books. This podcast is a reaction to all the common misconceptions I hear about comics as an art form. It's about how superheroes aren't the only type of stories you can find in comics. From true crime and memoir to historical fiction and sci-fi, comics have it all. This podcast is about educating people on what they can find out there and giving readers new, old, or misinformed something great to read. Listen up, nerds and future nerds. This is the VF Comics Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the VF Comics Podcast. Uh, As a reminder, I'm Marcus, and we are extra excited this week because not only is our guest an amazing and accomplished writer and filmmaker, but she is also my friend. Everybody say hello to Jess Carson. Hey! Hello! Is this like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Like, a like, like you want the audience to say hello, like a Blue's Clues kind of well, thing? You know, or, <laughs> are we good? Hello. Hello. Yeah. I, I like Who's that. Clues? Blue's Clues? Blue's Clues. Blue's Clues. <laughs> um, and um, there's also some other people here with us this week. Uh, one of them, I think, is Meg. Hey. <laughs> Another is our resident bad boy, James. You know it. <laughs> I hate it. And finally, we also have this guy who's pretty cool no matter what. His name is Tom. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. No matter what. Are like we always saying only... Tom last? Well, Tom is last because I saved the best for last. Oh, okay. That's... Gotcha. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> you see how Meg see how Meg was first, and you're in the middle, James. So actually, you should be pretty happy about that. You're mediocre. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you're my silver medal. There you go. Mid-tier. Oh, I got the joke. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, we are going to begin this week by getting to know Jess and why. Um, as a filmmaker, she is on a comic book podcast. And then we are going to cover a little bit about Image's response to unionization in their ranks. Um, we, I know Megan and some of us are very excited about some of the Marvel uh, show announcements coming to Disney+, and also a Netflix announcement about One Piece, before finally ending with Jess giving us a recommendation of a comic book that she loves. So... Um, Jess, let's just start off by you just, you know, telling us what you've worked on and how it led to where you are now. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it all started when my mom and daddy were very in love. Um, so, <laughs> oh. no. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I was been, there uh, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> True oh origin God. story. Hilarious here. story for a side note. I was telling my mom and dad that I was doing this, and they were like, we remember Marcus. And they were so yes. happy about it. It was the best thing ever. Anyway, your parents uh, are so sweet. <laughs> but no, uh, I've been writing all my life. Um, you know, I started doing filmmaking. Uh, probably around the end of my undergrad when I was a creative writing major and didn't have any teaching hours and could have gotten teaching hours, but decided I wanted to be broke. So I decided not (laughs) to do that. Um, so, um, no, I I did my first short film because I actually, um, I was in class at UALR and, uh, one of my professors gave me a bad grade on my short stories. Shout out to David Joss. Um, (laughs) 
I, but he said it kind of read like a like a this reads like a like a movie. It doesn't read like a fiction uh, story. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Um, so I, I actually had, had a couple friends over in the comms department because um, there were no film schools in Arkansas. I think there's still only like one. I think U- UCA probably has. Probably yeah, UCA has I think a film right? They do. Yeah. 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 So. Back in the olden days, there was not one. Um, no, uh, so I had a friend, a couple friends in the comms department. I said, "Guys, I googled how to write a screenplay. Let's make a short film." And uh, I so I, <laughs> I did this short film that, to this day, no one can find on the internet but me. Um, but I did it, and I loved the process. So I was like, "Wow, I need to learn how to do this." Um, so, you know, the first thing was first is I was like, "I need to figure out how to how to write these properly." So I ended up. Um, going to full cells they had a virtual program uh for an mfa in screenwriting and i went and i got that and i completed that in 2013 i think um and then i did another short film uh called paradigm that got a little traction in the region and uh then i did one more that also got a little traction in the region and i was like okay uh all right i I, i've always had this mentality of i never and i didn't feel like i wasn't in arkansas but still i I never want to feel like a big fish in a small pond. I never want to feel like that. Um, I always want to be the smallest fish possible because that just means you have an infinite amount of things that you can learn. Um, so from, from that moment, you know, I'd been working in digital marketing and I'd had that full-time job for some years. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to apply to day jobs in any film market I can think of. And whoever bites first, that's where I'm moving. So I applied in NOLA, North Carolina, Albuquerque, LA, New York, any any film market I could think of, and I ended up getting a job in New York City. So moved to New York City in 20... Jesus, 2015. Oh, wow. I've been for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I moved to New York, and I was working in digital marketing, and I ended up uh, taking some workshops and meeting some people in the industry that way. And from there, I'd started making some trips back and forth to LA because, you know, most of the production companies are still there. And um, I'd, I'd gone on one trip and I'd met someone I'd done a workshop with and he was like, Oh, you live in New York city. Well, do you have any interest in theater? And I was like, yeah, I did theater all the time in the rock. Um, I love theater. Theater is great. <laughs> and uh, so he had had this, this off Broadway musical that he was doing that they had just lost their, their scriptwriter for. And so he was like, do you have any samples? And I was like, boy, do I. Um, and then I went home and promptly made up some samples. Um, and then <laughs> I sent them to him and he was impressed enough and he hired me for that. So that was my first gig. Uh, it was called Only Human. It starred Gary Busey. And no, I'm not drunk enough to talk about it. Um, I but we did it. <laughs> <laughs> but, we, but we did it. You got to hang with the abuse. I <laughs> am not drunk enough to talk about it, but I did. Yes. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so we did it and it was great. And, you know, then I'd had that, um, you know, off Broadway musical in my portfolio. So uh, during that process, because developing that musical took, well, it took longer than that, but my involvement, it took four years um, from the time I got involved until it went on to, um, stage. But during that time, I picked up a manager, which was great because again, once you're like, oh, I I got hired to write an off-Broadway musical. It's like, oh, you have a credit. So, you know, found a manager. That was great. Um, But he was based in LA. We'd really started talking about my career because the goal for me is to end up writing and directing features. And eventually I want to also like make TV shows and just send them out into the ether. So with that knowledge, it was kind of like, you know, TV's way more structured. And so I was like, I probably need to get experience in television and my strongest skill set was going to be writing in that sense because directing in TV is nearly impossible to get into unless you're like already known. Um, 
So from that, it was like, got to move to Los Angeles because no matter where a show shoots, 99.9% of the rooms are in Los Angeles. So I ended up making the move to Los Angeles at the end of 2018. Um, and then and was when yeah. you made that move, that trip, mm-hmm. this is a bit of a side note. Was that the trip where you live tweeted, um, your entire trip <laughs> on an airplane about a cute guy? I did that a few times, actually. <laughs> not okay. about, a, not about a cute guy. No, I actually think that trip home was the one where I live tweeted about when I was in the terminal and there was the, the couple, there was like a lesbian couple that this guy was trying to get with one of the women. Oh, and like damn. he would no. not take it was the most hilarious thing because like the the woman who was getting hit on you know she was being very polite whatever but but her wife was like such a good sport was basically just like yeah man keep trying yeah good luck <laughs> yeah it was, and it was the funniest thing i'd ever seen in my entire life um so <laughs> yeah but there was a time i did travel to la where yeah i there were a few so times dig i tweeted into jess's tweets if you yeah. ever want to see some of oh, the no, it was best on Facebook. live Oh yeah, yeah, the Facebook that was one, but uh, like her her minute by minute observations <laughs> of events are yeah. always because there was a point in time like I remember sitting there waiting and being like, "What's gonna happen?" Exactly, next? there was a point in time where after I'd moved to LA, I'd kept my job, my day job for a while, and so that being said, I had to like travel to New York a lot, and so it got to the point where I was like, "You get you have to go to the airport so much, like you have to figure out something that makes it not so horrible," and uh, that's what I resorted to. It was just like. Here's my saga on this plane uh, or on this flight. Oh, man, yeah. That's like, that's like Zola. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, do you hear that A24? It started with me first. Now uh, pick up one of my threads. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to watch an A24 film of yours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, it, it actually, that guy, the one that you're talking about, it was funny because that guy actually was an extra in Black Panther. And that's why we had started talking because it was like, oh, I'm trying to break in the film. He's like, oh, I'm trying to break in the film too. And here's like this extra thing I did. Look at this picture. I'm like, that's Black Panther. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so no big deal on this extra gig. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. So I, I moved yeah. there, kept the job um, and it was great. I'd started. So the first thing that happens when you really move out, especially as a writer, um, the first thing you, you, your rep will probably do is send you on what's called the water bottle tour. Um, and I think it's at this point, I kind of wonder if it's like a myth is why it's called that. But anyway, the whole point is you're going to be going to pretty much every production company, any network who will talk to you and have what are called general meetings. And that's all it is. They're just getting to know you. You are getting in the Rolodexes because for pretty much any gig, like whatever studio or whatever network ends up, you know, saying yes, like they have a Rolodex of approved writers. So your water bottle tour is all about you becoming an approved writer wherever you can. Um, so, but they call the water bottle tour because you're literally going on all these meetings and you're always going to get offered something to drink. And so at, at this point, I'm like, I think it's a myth that everyone's like, at least take a bottle of water. Don't say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's called the water bottle tour. <laughs> but uh, we, so yeah, I did that pretty much for my first year. And then I had my first staffing season, which was what staffing season is, is your samples are just your managers or whoever sends out your samples to try to get you any open writing positions. Um, didn't get a job my first staffing season, but then at the end of the next year, so I guess that's the end of 2019. Um, I had talked to a woman who had worked at the CW. She, and this was like my very first, she was like one of my third or fourth meeting when I moved to LA. But at this point she had been promoted to director of current programming. And we had a great conversation. That's why general meetings are so important. And she was like, Hey, by the way, 
the Flash is going to be looking for for new writers and they're going to have a freelance episode open to see if they can find someone who's a fit. Because when you write a freelance episode of television, nine times out of 10, you actually go to the writer's room because you have to, You uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little later, but you break the episodes together in a writer's room. And so when you do a freelance episode, you have to go to the room because you need to be able to do that process. Um, so, you know, I, I talked to a couple people at the CW and then, um, they got my samples to Eric, the showrunner, um, who I then met with and he ended up, uh, picking me to do this freelance episode, which is season six, episode 18, I think mm-hmm. six, 18. Yeah. Um, Andy Mendes is in it and I'm, and he's amazing and I love him. Um, <laughs> Pied Piper, ladies and gentlemen, he's the man. I'm about to say you're the reason Pied Piper got, get back out into the, that's, Arrowverse. that's true. And it's yeah. the, and, and that was a, another push that I was able to make as Which a freelance a episode who was bisexual. And, mm-hmm. um, we were able to, he hasn't really had the opportunity in the past for whatever reason, for reasons that are above my pay grade, probably, <laughs> um, to really like have that opportunity to have like an active, you know, I think it was mentioned once or twice in earlier seasons that, you know, he was he was bisexual. Um, but I was able to actually like give like his storyline was surrounded by like this boyfriend that he had. So it was really great to be able to do that. Well, and um, I think there was one of the it was one of those situations where they're just like, oh, like you can assume, but we're not going to say yeah. it out loud kind yeah. of situation. Yeah. So oh, it was great because okay. Eric Eric was really awesome about like, oh, no, this is great. We love this storyline because Eric's like, I love love. So let's do it. Um you know, I mean, it's Barry and Iris, right? So he's like, yes, love things. Let's do it. We love that on this show. Um, so that was really great. And it was fun. I got to go to the room because, again, another piece of that test is not just can you write and can you do TV? It's do you do you mesh with this room? I mean, because everything's so yeah. fast paced. A lot of people in this room have been together since season four, I think. And so it's like you really you got to fit in. Um, and I was did nerve wracking just going it, it in there was. like that. Yeah. Day, one, yeah. day one, it was definitely nerve wracking because, you know, you go in with the not because a lot of times, again, especially like on first year shows or whatever, there's there's rollover sometimes and, and staffs change or it's a first year show and everybody's new to everybody. But like this whole staff's pretty much been together since season four. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was yeah. like, all right, cool. They have their. This is, it's fine. Um, this is fine. So, Gosh, it's like, it's like being the new kid in school. It, again. it is, it is. But it's one of those things where, you know, I learned in my general meeting journey that it's actually the thing that serves you the best is being genuine. Um, Cause I know my first meetings, I really went in, cause I didn't know what to do. I came from corporate America. Like I went into them, my general meetings with like, you know, full face of makeup and pants, which the full face, like I don't wear makeup. You know, I was about to say, I, yeah, don't, I, I don't even know what that Carson full, would look like. Full out <laughs> interview type stuff and like never got a call back. But there was a day I was late because of my day job. And I <laughs> I was just like, whatever. Don't, and I wore my normal kit, which is usually like a graphic tee and jeans. And I put a blazer over my t-shirt. Don't freak out. But like, mm. it was just my normal <laughs> kit. Didn't do my hair. Like whatever, just went. And I was already late. So I was like, YOLO, whatever. I'm looking like trash. Might as well just do me. And to this day, that's the best relationship I have with uh, a production company and it's Viola Davis's Davis's production company. So it's like, go in and be yourself. And so like from then on every single meeting I had, I was like, yeah, because the end of the day, you know, even when I have mentees, I tell them it's 10% talent, 90% relationships in this industry. People want to know if they want to work with you. And so if you're going in and obviously, you know, Hey, I'm here. Clearly my intentions is to find a job instead of, Hey, let me get to know you. Like you want to get to know me. What? What, what's the point? So 
Yeah. Going in and being genuine really served me well. So I just took that same mentality into the room. I was quiet for the first day because I'm around Marcus right now. So like, it doesn't really read, but I'm an introvert. I'm very introverted. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Marcus freaked out <laughs> me too. I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like That's day real. one, I was very quiet and was just kind of observing. And, but day two, once I started to get like the banter around and I was able to start talking to people and saying, Hey, blah, blah, blah. Like, I have a question about this because the other thing is a lot of people come into TV um, having been an assistant or a script coordinator for years. I got really lucky and came in off. I didn't have to be an assistant, but the other side of that is I had no idea how TV worked. So (laughs) I was like always just like in the EP's office, like, Hey guys, I have questions about this. So like, ask me anything. And I pull out like a whole laundry list of, you know, questions, (laughs) you know, luckily this room's really great. And then, uh, yeah, after that, they, um, Eric decided that, um, I wasn't a complete fraud and he hired me on for, for season seven and uh, now going into season eight and they brought me back and it's good. So that's kind of how I got there. Is it just the biggest trip from your first day where you're nervous to Mm -hmm. now? I mean, that's your day job. You now's my day job. You know, like that's, (laughs) that's your routine. You go into that room and and that's where you work. That's it. That's it. And, and it's like, you know, we have a, like, for example, we're all, we, and this is a good thing. Eric has a really good environment in this room. So like we do stuff together, like pretty much any major Marvel or DC movie we'll go see as a group. We rented out a theater Friday. We're going to all go see the Eternals. Like it's like a big thing. It's really (laughs) amazing. You know, to be able to to have a room that's like that because not every room's like that so i know that for a fact and i know that from some of my co-workers who came from other shows other very popular shows whose rooms are pretty toxic so i know i'm lucky oh, and i'm very spoiled so <laughs> i'm aware cool that's yeah. awesome that's good. so that was the tv journey yeah wow yeah and you know yeah. i was wondering awesome. you know for those for those who are listening you can't see it but there's been a little bit of a hint as to what jess does before she got to that because she is wearing oh, a yeah. shirt that Set says gifts. television with the flash logo <laughs> yeah all it. the all the locations from season seven are on the bag that like we get set gifts and stuff every year because the crew's really amazing because they're canadian so <laughs> you know like i have a, i have another there. one that i'm wearing on for like my my stream on wednesday because because we premiere on tuesday and it's it's one that says Central City Strong from like the beginning of last season. So like we get we get like all kinds of cool yeah. little stuff like that, which is great. I love it. That's awesome. No, yeah. Swag. Your short I film just, just like- picked up some awards at a film festival too, didn't it? Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know how. I tricked someone somewhere. Maybe I paid someone. <laughs> no, uh, it, it's actually really don't, interesting. Don't joke about that. Like, exactly, right? Someone's going to like take this clip and be like, bribery from a flash writer. <laughs> Here on this obscure podcast, you admit it. Exactly. So yeah, no, um, I, I know last year for the one I shot last year, it's really great because one of the actresses uh, that I met on the musical, an actress I actually really fought for, Kim Steele. Shout out to you, goddess. Um, she had come back home uh, because, you know, Broadway had shut down. She's a Broadway actress. Broadway had shut down because of COVID. And she's from Southern Cal. And um, she was in my bubble. My cinematographer was in my bubble because my cinematographer is one of my favorite people on earth. Also, shout out to Sarah Winters. Um, and we, I was, I was like very... <laughs> I was going a little crazy. It was like, you know, sitting in, it's like the major pain sitting in my, looking at the ceiling and watching the shadows go by. It was, it was, it was going, or apocalypse, apocalypse now. No, um, I'm going with major pain. <laughs> Problem is, I ain't got I ain't nothing got to scratch. Nothing to scratch. Uh, so, and it was one of those things, it was like, I have 
to do something because like all the social upheaval was happening and COVID was happening. I'm here home alone. Like most of the protests that you saw here in the news, it's like across the street. Like mm. that, that's where oh. I live. So it's like, uh, so I called Kim and I was like, Hey, I have this idea. It's like, I'm in a whole short. I don't know what you're doing, but you're my bubble. Do you want to do a short film? She was like, yes. And I was like, great. Uh, so yeah, it was me and Kim and Sarah and we just shot that film. It's called you. And, and then I was just like on a whim. Sure. I'll start submitting to things, whatever. And it just started getting into festivals. And I was like, what's happening? Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, when you when you practice at something or when you do something for a while, you may not notice that you get better because you're doing it every day. But, you know, I hadn't done a short at that point in like four or five years. And so clearly now I'm like working, I'm writing for a living. And, you know, so that's the kind of thing that my therapist is like, will you give yourself some credit? Um, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the mark of a true artist, downplaying how amazing they are at something like it's not a big deal. See, Marcus love would it. love hearing my therapist talk about me because she has really been writing me about that. <laughs> Can you please just give yourself a little credit today? And I'm like, ah! yep. Why? <laughs> I started being nice to Megan at work about that because yeah. she's that way too. Oh and my I'm God, like, it's so hard. No, Megan, you look pretty today. And I'll just walk off and she's like, oh, what? But where? Where? But where? I got it. I got it. Help. I stole this. I stole acting this way oh. from Tom because I'd always be snickery and, you know, act a, like a turd to Tom. <laughs> That's a word I, I came That's up good. with at the no, moment. And Tom started being reacting to me in such a genuine way. <laughs> and I love that idea. So I've started doing it to other See, people. I'm all like, for it. This the best yeah, way to be go. sincere. Sincerity. Yeah. See? Sincerity. Yeah. And then it's 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 something yeah. that uh you know, patting myself on the back is a problem. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> this is why therapy is important, guys. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. 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 But yeah, like I, I did that one and then this year it was the same thing because we were still kind of shut down. I mean, out here we you know, pretty cautious. I mean, things are kind of opening up now, but vaccines are required everywhere. But um uh yeah, same thing. I'd had a couple friends who had moved. Actually, uh, one of my really good friends who was in my first short film named Sean. He's also from Little Rock. Yeah, uh, yeah we Sean know Sean. Jones. Yeah. Sean Jones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, we know Sean. He yeah. and his girlfriend He's they moved nicest back out. Person in the world. Oh my god, I love him. I love yeah. that. <laughs> and we were just like, let's shoot some micro shorts because I had gotten to the point where my manager starting to submit me for like feature general meetings, and so like I need that director's reel, and mine was really out of date. Um, and I was like, and they needed some stuff for their reel because now they're out here. And so I was like, let's just do some micro shorts, which are like shorts that are five minutes or less. Usually scenes is what you get out of those. Um, but we did them. They were great. And then one of them, I just started submitting because we were, we, we started watching. We were like, hey, this is kind of good, guys. What the heck? And it, it, yeah, it's, I think at this point it's gotten into like 14 festivals and it's, it's called the papers. It's amazing. I'm, I'm very cool. proud of them. Like they're so good. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, 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 it's all, that's all part of, the bigger plan, because now, you know, we send that and we send you, but we also send that director's reel that has, you know, clips from stuff out when I'm trying to. So it's like you always have a lot of pots in the fire, like Flash is paying my bills. I love the job. I love the environment. But, you know, I'm also trying to, like, get in these feature rooms and have these meetings and learn, you know, the same same kind of thing I did for TV, just for features is like getting to those people and getting to their minds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. So. 
In short, Jess is more successful than everyone else here and is amazing and is always working on great stuff. Yeah. And unfortunately, all my friends are now are stuck on a podcast with me. Um, <laughs> but I've drugged Jess down my by God. making her come to the podcast, Ridiculous. too. Ridiculous. Well, let me say it all. This is level. it. We're, we're all here. <laughs> 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 Sorry about you. Uh, we so just sweet. all strapped ourselves to your rocket. <laughs> <laughs> my rocket I love it. Um, so again, you know, I, you know, beginning of episode, I said, you know, why would we have, you know, Jess on here? And obviously I think the reason everyone sees now is because she is our current writer on the flash, but she's amazing besides that. So I couldn't help, but talk with her about those things, but I do want to go back to the flash for a second. Let's do it. Barry Allen has been around since I believe the late 1950s. Mm-hmm. He was the first silver age character. I be- I think like him and how ha- and Hal Jordan were like the beginning of the silver age of comics. So from pleasing fans of comics to fans of television who don't know what the flash is and finding just the perfect spot to please everybody. Like, you know, what do you use as inspiration for how you approach putting together stories for the flash? Like, yeah. are you, how beholden are you to the comics mm-hmm. or the, I, I don't know how you manage. That. You know, it's really interesting. You can, you can go as far as you can go with both of those things. You can go as far as you can go with pleasing fans or as far as you can go with pleasing the audience, because at the end of the day, you've got to make good TV. And I'm very lucky in the sense of, of coming into a show when it was in its sixth season. But, you know, the way they really set it up was let's find this kind of really great place between what makes the flash the flash and what makes good TV, good TV, because you take a concept like that and you kind of break it down to what is it at its core. And as far as like, if you take the book, if you take the books in their entirety, it's kind of like, it's, it's family, it's family, it's all this, you know, whatever. So it's like, okay, so we're probably going to have an ensemble show here. If we're going to have an ensemble show, we need to make multiple characters that people care about and make sure that we bring them out. Which characters do we choose? I mean, that's dealer's choice, especially when you have a comic that's been around for so long, like take it, your pick, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, But at its core, it's like, what about this family makes this family, this family. And for the flash in particular, it's like Barry and Iris, you know? So we know we have to get there. And so that's always a good place to start because I'm, if I'm thinking all the way back, like in season one, it was very much a will they, won't they with Barry and Iris because everyone knows it's going to happen. But kind of the beauty in the show is like, we have freedom of how we get there. And as far as adapting a comic in any sense, um, cause I am working on a couple of things that are adaptations and it's like, you take what you need, but you have to realize that you're making something separate. You can be faithful to who the flash is, for example, what the flash stands for. And, but the story that you're telling on TV, you're not writing a comic book. The medium's completely different. You know, I've written stuff that I can't talk about. I almost did. Mm, nice try. Ooh. But, uh, you, you, but it's, it's too, yeah, you almost got me, but it's two different <laughs> mediums. And so it's like, you have to, you have to, and, and this is the hard thing about like with fans as well, because some things just don't translate. Um, and so you kind of have to like, temper that a little bit with like, Hey, I get it. I hear you, but like, this is television. So we've got to do something about tell. Cause if you're just going to make a carbon copy of the comic, they might as well just go read the comics period. But if you make something that is like, this is based on this brilliant library of stuff, they complement each other. 
Because now you have people who have storylines and things that they don't see on TV, but they know that now they're realizing, oh, we hinted at blah, blah, blah. But we know that's a big storyline in the comics. Maybe I can go read the comics. And that can like bring people to the comics or vice versa. When, for example, we know now, yes, we do, that like our big villain coming up in season eight is Despero. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, what's Despero? You know, so they might want to go to the, you know, they might want to go to the comics now or vice versa. People who love Despero in the comics are like, I'm definitely watching this Armageddon thing because it's Despero. We got Tony Coran. Let's do it. You know, and so it's like, uh, and that's the thing you kind of got to temper an adaptation with. It's like you, you want to please, you want to please everybody. You absolutely do. I know we do, but you absolutely cannot. There's no possible Wait, someone's always going to be angry. Yeah. Like, for example, I've already, I'm like, I've gotten death threats on line. Really? Oh, That's yeah. It's insane. a whole thing. My oh, God. It's a whole thing. I was like, Mom, I've made it. You know, it's. Yeah, that's, that's thing, true, you know, I guess. A sad <laughs> measure of success. That's, that's the thing you about fandoms. You haven't made it till someone wants to kill you. That's the thing about fandoms. God. It's insane, is that, like, people are so passionate about fandoms that this is this is what there are people i mean here's the thing there are people who literally live online to tear it down like no matter if it's brilliant or not like that's that's true that's what you know so it's like you there's only so much you can kind of because again if you listen to everybody nothing's going to make sense in your show because everybody has completely different opinions on what's going to work and so that's why it's so great about showrunners is you have to be a tough person number one is like but you have to have a very singular vision of like I want to, this is what this season's going to be about. And this is kind of how we get there. And you stick to it. Um, we're lucky because our showrunner, I think he's written some comics, but he's also a big comic nerd. Um, he just won some Lifetime Achievement Award, the Saturn Awards. Like, it's a whole thing. Um, wow. Yeah, he's he's great. So it's like he, you know, he'll bring it in and he'll he'll say, hey, this is what we're going to talk about this season. And the cool thing about a room is it's kind of like half comic nerds, half not. Um, and there's a few people in the middle, um, which the math doesn't add up, but I'm a writer, guys. Um, but, you know, <laughs> so it's good. It people, keeps it diverse and, and it, it that does. way, too. Yeah. You know? So we have the people yeah. who come in and say, ooh, what if we use this villain this season? And people are like, who is this villain? They'll t- say who this villain is. And like the non-comic people will be like, oh, wow, from a story perspective, we could do this with this villain. You know, so it's it's really good balance. Um, and it, it but at the end of the day, you know, we're making a television show and that's kind of what we have to have top of mind. Was it tough for you mm. to develop that thick skin and and mm. kind of chase your vision? Did that take time or is that something that naturally is, is a characteristic of yours as, I'd a, as a writer? I'd say no, it didn't take me a long time, but only because I personally had a rough go of it in Arkansas because they're, while it's by and large a pretty good community, um, filmmaking community, there is a lot of, um, What's the what's the word I want to use? There's a lot of uh, pods. There's a lot of clicks. There's a lot of yeah. And if you don't make oh, yeah. a particular thing, if you look a certain way, um, you're kind of in limbo, and it's hard to get things done or get help on anything. So it was really hard for me from early to really find out who I wanted to be unapologetically. Um, but you know, the other side of that is coming to this industry. I was already kind of used to you know, people who had very passionate reactions if something happened that they did not like. So, you know, and I've worked in social media for a long time, even with the digital marketing stuff. So I kind of already knew what to expect of social media. Um, And I've always been someone who loves things that people don't usually love. Like, I'm a big nerd for lore. I love it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love comics. I love it all. I love Star Wars. I don't care. I will watch the prequels. Oh, yeah. I'll watch everything. I love it all. <laughs> Let's go. I, I yes. literally do not dislike anything because oh, no, I'm now like. James, Tom, and her won't share. Here we go. Here we <laughs> go. <laughs> Someone has made this huge world and you've created this franchise and all these characters and all these stories. I literally have nothing to crap on. Nothing. Yeah. And yeah. so are you sure? Yes. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure? And now let's talk about the last three stories. I okay. love them all. all right. <laughs> no. I love oh, them all. Here we go. No. Okay. Nope. Um, and I just do. I, I'll table them. I, listen, and here's the thing. I'm okay if you don't like them. That's the beauty of lore is that it's okay to like and dislike them. You we know? will have to dive into this. I, I would love to. <laughs> but yeah, much, but uh, being, but being that way as someone, especially like, but you know, honestly, being like a person of color in a nerddom where they're always like, you don't belong here, I, you get pretty thick skin pretty early because you know people are yeah. like, you have yes. dumb, you have dumb thoughts, and you're wrong, and I'm like, I, that's not going to keep me from liking it. But okay, um, so yeah, yeah and it's a fandom, and I knew that I knew that coming in. Yeah, well, right. that kind of dives into the next thing I wanted to talk about because I know you were skidding around it, and maybe you don't feel as comfortable just outright saying it. Um, but let me lead into this. So like the flash is really well known for having a pretty diverse group of characters, but the most prominent, like, you know, the, the co-lead of the show is a black woman. Mm -hmm. And while you didn't come until later seasons for the flash, you're the first writer that is a black woman for the show. Yeah. So I kind of, so like what you've been talking about kind of covers, um, how have people reacted to you? And I also kind of curious, how has your influence impacted the writers? Room? Mm. Yeah. You know, the, the, the main thing is, is coming in, I actually didn't know I was the first black woman to write for the show until the press release came out for six eighteen. Um, Cause you know, they'll pull out the press release, the trades will pick it up and they'll say like who it's written by on there. And for me, I was actually, that was like the first time I found out who the director was, which was Amanda Tapping. So I was like, what? Wait, what? Yeah, she directed my first episode and I lost my mind. Oh my God. I love Amanda So Tapping. I am sitting here on Twitter. <laughs> I, I sit here, I go to Twitter because I'm like going to go find her because I had no idea because I'd only been in the room for a little bit, you know, just to write it. And I logged on to Twitter and I had like 300 notifications <laughs> and I'm like, the heck? And then I started looking at them. And the first thing I started to see is just like uh, tag after tag after tag after tag of fans celebrating the fact that they finally got a black woman right for the show. Oh, a lot yay. of them being black girls and black women who have been waiting for years for that to happen because they all have their issues with the show as well. And, you know, for them in their mind, some that's what it was attributed to. So that's how I found out that was a thing wow. anyway. Um, wow. so, you know, with that being said, there was also, you know, that here's the thing, there is a such thing as toxic positivity as well, because on the other hand, there was like this subset of people who were just like, great, right for Iris, right? Iris good. And like, for me, I'm like, in a way that's also kind of prejudice and or racist. If you think my only purpose in the room is because I can only write a black woman character. Yeah. So that's also problematic. Yeah. Um, and then there were the other people who just, you know, randomly, they, this is what they do. They like had their tags and they were just like, that character shouldn't be black anyway. But like, and they've been screaming about that for like six seasons. Since, since the show was released. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I saw an interview with her like very early on um, about like all the death threats and stuff she got when she, the casting announcement came out. And I know it probably still happens, you know, Jesus. just, just because of that. So like, 
for so for that it was it was very it was a very interesting uh mixed bag but i'm the kind of person who like i use the mute button expeditiously on twitter like if i get something super toxic <laughs> you're muted i don't care like you know and people yeah. are like oh yeah. you want to be in a an echo chamber i'm like on my social media yes <laughs> like i want to be happy when i'm online um oh yeah because everyone gets on social media to hear someone else's point of exactly view. Yeah, yeah exactly so yeah but in the room itself yeah. you know again i'm very lucky in the room that i'm in is that you know eric really empowers us to speak up if we have those kind of issues um if there's anything in there that and Eric, you know, himself is a black man and he took over the show in season six, which I think is probably the whole impetus behind me getting hired in the first place. Um, is him, you know, looking for that. And then the my my counterpart who also got hired that year, she's she's a woman. So it was really great to to be able to see him trying to transform the room into more of what the world looks like. Um and but the great thing about it is that the people who have been in the room are also very open and very like whatever. Like they absolutely know that they have blind spots in places. And so there was never any, if, if ever anyone says anything, because again, there's a couple of people in the room who are very much like, you know, social justice. Like if there's an issue with women's rights, like they'll say it, they'll speak up and they're like, Hey, I have this issue. I've never run into a situation where like, someone's like, Oh my gosh, this seems, you know, really, you know, not okay sexually, or it's like a, a really bad trope against women or like, and no one in the room ever like pushes back. We're like, Oh wait, let's talk about this. Why is that? You know, at a pain point in my own episode, which I'm writing now, which like one of the EPs, we literally sat there for like 40 minutes trying to get like tweak something to where my bump wasn't a bump anymore. Like and so tell us exactly what was happening in that episode. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> so exactly, what are we going to see there? Like, like, I want I want our listeners to understand what you're saying. Yeah, you can't can't tell us what's going to happen in the season the finale. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so so I'm I'm again, and I know not every room's the same. I'm extremely lucky that everybody wants, and I mean, maybe the other thing is my first full season of this show was in 2020, which is probably one of the most socially aware years that we've had in recent memory. And so I think everyone was also hyper aware of their own privilege. If they need, if there are things that they needed to think about or uh, be more open to listening to. But I think even, even outside of that, like everyone in that room is, is really open and will listen. Um, you know, the thing about it is it, things don't stop at the writer's room. So sometimes it won't get through or sometimes something gets cut or whatever. It's, it's the other thing about not really letting social media get to you is because a lot of like 99% of people on social media don't understand how television works. We write the script and it doesn't go straight to screen. <laughs> you know, it has to go through the showrunner, then it has to go through the studio, then it has to go through the network and they all have changes and things that they want as well that we have to adhere to because they're our bosses. Um, and so it's really hard to really like, I can't, I, this is why I mute. I never block. Um, because I don't want ever people to feel like they're being silenced. I mean, I don't want to listen to you, but like, I don't ever want them to feel like they're feeling science, silenced because they don't know how it works. Um, and so they feel a certain way and their points may be valid, but maybe it was that way somewhere else in the process, you know? Yeah. 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 It's really fascinating hearing, you know, you talking about, you know, the showrunner mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it seems like TV is, you know, I'm, I'm a big movie guy and I always kind of think about great directors yeah. and, and in TV, it's very much about the writers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's just really cool. Yeah. Um, I know that, uh, you know, there, there have been some issues 
I, I guess over at Marvel with mm. what they do, they, that they tend to be a little bit more that they're kind of pr- promoting directors more than, than writers. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of, kind of weird because, <laughs> yeah, you know, in, in, uh, in movies, you know, whenever you ask a, a serious movie fan, you know, who were who the great writers of movies? You know, it's like you might be able to, to name five people. Yeah. And, and most of the time, you know, they're that, most of the time they're writer directors. You know. <laughs> you yeah. Know. yeah. Yeah. And so it, it, it's like, it seems like TV really is a, a bastion for, you know, really great it writers. It's always a good place to start um, as well, which is, I think, a big reason my manager really wanted to uh, steer me this way first, because also with features, like, the average time it takes for a feature to get made is seven years. So it was like, wow. in the meantime, you should probably make some money. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're guaranteed yeah. regular work. Yeah. And there's so much yeah. TV out there that, you know, and, and I think that's the thing, you know, the thing with, with what like Marvel's doing, for example, um, I'm a trader Warner brothers. You hear me? No. Uh, but the thing that like Marvel <laughs> I, is doing. I was doing, wondering how, how much you could talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's yeah. But like, you know, cause at the end of the day, I'm still a consumer and they know it. So it's like, yeah. you know, I'm a consumer and I'm a nerd. You can't keep me away from nerd <laughs> things. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the thing that like Marvel, you know, that they're being able to do with their stuff on Disney plus right now, which I think HBO max is starting to move the same way. Um, is they're able to make more stories like that. Because the thing that the, the other thing that's hard about comics, especially when we're talking about movies, is that there's so much stuff. And so, you know, the mm. medium and have, being able to do comics the way that they're, the content's laid out, like for a TV show, because you have more time. Yeah. You know, that's why we get stuff like WandaVision. That's why we get stuff like Loki. And we're able to actually, like, put the whole story out there because we have more room. Yeah. And the way those mm-hmm. feel, you know, like, with TV, you get that great feeling. Like, I feel like in series that I've always really loved, like the penultimate episode of a season mm-hmm. is always super exciting. And then the finale is such an event, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's been true for, like, you know, just sitcoms to big epic things like Game of Thrones for me. Uh, yeah. And I love that in, in television. It's really exciting as a viewer still, like, when you can tell, like, oh, man, this is, this is going to be a big night for this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... and it's just so different from movies, which oh, are no, like froze. equally and, and like it's exciting and fun. <laughs> no one oh. asked you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, there it is. <laughs> oh, there he's back. Oh Tom, no, did I cut out? Oh man, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the universe. That's the universe saying I had an oh, no. awful point. Oh no, no, he's totally gone. <laughs> he's totally gone. Snapped. Oh no, snapped. Thanos said. Thanos said one fifth of the population this time. <laughs> 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 oh man, well, that's so sad. I'm yeah. sorry, Tom. Oh, man. But no, he, he, really he does it. but yeah, he does make a good point too, because even thinking about, you know, how the Marvel shows, for example, are like events or how like the Arrowverse has their crossovers and you're able to bring in things like Justice League or whatever into it, how like Titans, you know, is really like talking about the Teen Titans, but like made for people who grew up on Teen Titans, us. So it's like I remember when I saw the pilot mm-hmm. of that show, for example. I lost my mind because <laughs> sitting here seeing Robin come out and like beat someone to a pulp with blood and everything. I was like, so teen Titans, but for me, okay, <laughs> let's, I want, I feel that way about doom patrol. I was oh, just man. like, Oh my gosh, they're doing it. And every episode I'm like, they're actually putting this mm-hmm. stuff on screen. 
How? Who greenlit yeah, this? That's the thing, that's the the thing about non-network as well. Again, yeah. I'm very grateful for my job, secret cameras and <laughs> microphones in my apartment. I'm very grateful for my job and I love my job. Um, but network just across the board. It's not even with just DC. Network across the board, you are playing to a different set of rules. Um, you know, because of, of you, I mean, you have to be careful with your content, right? Because anyone can watch network. Um, in that kind of sense, you know, so you can't just go and say or do everything. You can't have like a lot of sex scenes. You can't have a lot of cursing. You can't have a lot of bloody violence um, because you don't know who's watching and networks way more accessible, you know, whatever. Um, but when you talk about streaming, so we think about like, you know, HBO Max and, and the content we're getting on there. You think about uh, Disney Plus and the content we're getting on there. Um, and even Hulu, some of the stuff they're doing right now, like you're able to do more Netflix, obviously you're able to do more because you're not constrained by the same, like set of, set of kind of rules, mm -hmm. censorship rules. Yes. Is that Tom? Welcome back. Tom. Tom. With that, Tom is stupid. You're right. <laughs> oh, Hey Tom, you're back. <laughs> oh no. We can't, can't hear, hear you at all, buddy. We can't hear you. You're <laughs> muted. Yeah, it may have selected the wrong mic like it did for mine. There we go. There we go. There, okay. it is. Is there you go. Yeah. Yep. Golden. Sweet. Okay. Yeah, that was that was the universe being like, nah, dude. You, you, we're, we're not we're not taking that point. Your opinion That's doesn't so matter. Funny. We're just we just miss Tom telling us the secrets of the universe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, basically, you know, basically, since, Tom, I said, and that's the, what happens. Yeah, that's what happens when you die. So, you know, since, yeah. I said the entire plot of like this season of the Flash. No. I'm just yeah. <laughs> so since Tom, we have Tom's secrets. Jess, so what's it like writing for characters like the Wonder Twins who are definitely going to be <laughs> in the season? So fun. Um, because when you're first about to bring a character in that hasn't really been in the show yet, uh, particularly for like Impulse, for example. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. What's going on? Like, I was kidding. Are they coming in this season? No, last year. They were here last year. Oh, I missed. I see. Oh, like, you missed I'm Impulse last season. Up. Sorry, spoiler alert. No, last no, not season. Impulse. The the Wonder Twins. Oh, the Wonder Twins. I thought you were talking. What? Okay. Oh, my brain said Tornado Twins. My bad. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can see why your brain went Tornado Twins. twins. No. no, I was just like, I was like. <laughs> the Wonder Twins, and then you start talking seriously. Oh, yeah. I was like, "It's like, wait, what?" Um, yeah, my brain. They joked. I mean, they joked about the monkey <laughs> on the last crossover, but we haven't seen know, the Wonder Twins. So yeah, because that, like, that was like my big thing of like, I think I heard you twins. Just, like, something huge. Yeah, I heard. I heard like <laughs> twins, and we had so much fun last year writing for Jordan and Jessica. Uh, but that does bring up a good point of like writing for characters who haven't been on your show. So at that point, Impulse had not been yeah. on the show. So like, I'm going to make the same point. I'm going to work my way back around to it. Because, yeah. Yeah, yes. because, but yeah, I was like totally thinking Tornado Twins. But um, but I was just freaking out. I was like, she's spoiling oh, it no. right now. Oh, yeah. like, oh, so no. he, so when we were told that we were going to get Impulse, um, obviously the comic nerds were like, yes! And then when it finally come around that like Jordan Fisher got cast, you know, the nerds, because we have some music, the musical theater nerds in there. They were like, yes, you know, and then we had the people who like loved all the boys I loved before. And they were like, yes. So anyway, but right. The thing about writing for a character who hasn't been on a show, but is in the comics is always really fun because you have a baseline, which is great. And then that's what you usually go for with characters when you're adapting anyway, is like baseline. What, what are the characteristics of this character? You know, what are the storylines we want to hit? 
So we brought that in and knew it was going to end up being in the Godspeed story. And I try, I won't say too much about it, Marcus, so I don't spoil you on what happened with Impulse last season. But um, okay. you're able to kind of just sit in there and just throw spaghetti off the wall and just go as big as you want to and let the showrunner kind of pull you back when like, so when I came and that was really fun for me as a first time uh, being able to write for a new character. Cause when I came in, you know, everyone's established and you kind of, they all have their voice, which is what we say when we're talking about writing dialogues for character, what's their voice. So they already have their established voice, their established characteristics, which is fine, which is great. It actually kind of makes my job a little easier if I already know how to write the characters. But when you do the new character, it's kind of like, Oh, how do we want him to sound? How do we, what, what do we want his mannerisms to be? Like, you know, cause with the comics, it's like, we want to make sure we pull out any important like lines, like obviously impulse, you know, that's so crash. Like we definitely, we had to put that in, in season seven. So, um, so the point being, how is it writing for a new character? It's so much freaking fun. I, I wish we could do it every season. It was same thing with like, writing stuff for Despero this year. It was so fun. And then being able to kind of watch set and see how Tony does it. I'm so excited for people to see it. Um, and bravo for choosing Despero too. Like, oh, I feel like that's all Eric, man. That's a really interesting one to bring. Eric's in, uh, yeah, that's all Eric. Like, Eric came in yeah. and like, so, so the, the way it works is when you first come in for the beginning of the season, um, the showrunner has already gotten a general like season arc approved by the network. So basically your first few couple of weeks are figuring out where everything fits within the season. But like day one, Eric basically shows us this deck of like, this is what's happening this season. And he goes through it point by point. Um, and that was the big thing he was really excited to tell us about is getting Despero. Um, and he, you know, he's, he's a great dude because he actually like took suggestions and considered suggestions of us to be like, who do we want for Despero? Um, but the, apparently the Doctor Who fans won out uh, because that's here's the thing. That's like one of the that's one show that I am getting into because I'm very late. But I had seen the Van Gogh episode. And I so when they said it was Tony Coran, I was like, <sighs> <laughs> yes, I feel like they're already a fan of Doctor Who by having it's at Arthur <laughs> Darville when he was playing Rip Hunter mm -hmm. for Legends of Tomorrow. It was just like, oh, oh great. So you're having Arthur Darville come in and play <laughs> the, the, the time traveler. How did you come up with that? Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that stuff is so hard. Eric actually gave a really good interview. Uh, there's this guy who does, it's called the Flash Podcast. It's not endorsed by Warner Brothers, blah, blah, blah. Andy, uh, the guy who does his name, Andy, he's, he's one of the people who's always in my stream. He's awesome. Um, the Flash Podcast, okay. really amazing. Um, He's been around since the beginning, so it's great. He's It's really great. But he did an interview with Eric the other day, and Eric was just talking about how... Because, you know, one of the big things on social media was people were so mad because how can you have Despero and Superman and Supergirl aren't in the in the crossover? We couldn't get it because of scheduling. Like, And Eric actually yeah. like put that in, <laughs> the, the interview, which I actually really appreciated because, again, a lot of people just don't understand. We didn't just say we don't want Superman and Supergirl because Eric hates them. <laughs> We literally could not get them because Supergirl's in its last season and she was busy. <laughs> like, yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's really, um, and that stuff in itself, because this technically isn't even a crossover. Because, you know, crossover involves all the shows across. All the yeah. shows. And this, and this is all like, also, just Lightning has ended mm -hmm. and Supergirl has ended. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so this is just kind of like a cast members are coming over to this show. And honestly, if they're looking for plot holes in why this character didn't show up here or here in other people's shows, 
I mean, that's yeah. everything in everything. But like, that, but that's whether fandoms. it be Arrowverse or other or like the movies. Like yeah. I remember during the first Suicide Squad movie, they're like, "Oh yeah, this portal's been over this city for like a week." And I'm like, <laughs> so, "So like Superman's just saying, uh, you know, piss on that yeah. city." Like, I knew, like, but but here's the thing: that's yeah. fandoms. Like, it's the whole thing. I yes. was literally talking to one of my buddies today about, and I think I was talking to you about this earlier too about Eternals. And I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with that movie. It's my favorite Marvel movie now. But when people want reasons to not like something, they're going to find them. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's really easy to get down to the bottom of why you really don't like it. But, you know, at the same time, it's like people people want to find something wrong with it. And that's that's the thing you have to know coming to this industry, period. If it's comics, if it's like entertainment, period. You know, the thing you got to know is that literally someone is going to want to hate your stuff and you're just going to have to find a way to deal with that. For me, I'm just like, please cry about it. Like I want you to feel your feelings. That's good for your own mental health. <laughs> well, lucky for us, everyone loves our podcast and no one thinks it's annoying <laughs> or that it's host. Just dumb. you wait. Uh, um, yes. uh, <laughs> so time-wise, we uh, need to be moving on soon, yeah. but I want to ask you one last thing because I really want to post about it. Tell us just about any other projects you're working on. Yeah. Like, what are, what, are, what are you up to? So I'm out right now. Well, I'm on pause right now because I'm penciled up for the Flash, but when I'm back on hiatus, I'll, I'm out with the show. It's a fe- black female pirate uh, who actually existed. So I'm out with a show about her. It's super gritty. It's not like Pirates of the Caribbean. It's more like Black Sails. Um, Ooh, yes. Super gritty, super, yeah. So I'm really excited about that one. Uh, I'm also in the process of setting up my first feature. Um, it's a sci-fi feature called Home. We're out with that now looking for the antagonist. And we're also looking for a producer. Um, I got Eva Nobazada, who is in Hades Town on Broadway, is my lead actress. Also a wonderful cherub. And I love her to pieces. And she must be protected at all costs. <laughs> um, so I'm working on that as well. I'm also writing uh, another feature that we're going to go out with uh, that if I had to describe it, it's like the movie Buried with Ryan Reynolds meets 10,000 BC. Um, and then I'm working on a, a oh. adaptation right now. I'm building that out into a show as well. A comic adaptation. Can't name the comic. Uh, sorry. Uh, but I'm working on that as well. And I'm also working on a book adaptation. Um, That's that a lot. Make a feature. Got to have a lot yeah. of pots on the fire, pans on the fire. And guys, I was joking with Jess earlier. So, like a lot of the adaptations, she can't talk about. These are years in the making. Yeah. You know, it's the very beginning. And I would love for her to talk about it. Maybe when information gets released, we'll have her back on, and she can talk to us about it. Or, or when but I'm I when I'm ju- home and drunk and in yeah. person. <laughs> and, I have and I'll just I yes. put my I put my I'm just putting my phone on the table. Yeah, no, it's not recording on. at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I joked with her. I was just like, fine, we'll guess wildly. And I <laughs> proposed that she was working on a sci-fi horror adaptation <laughs> um, that is actually a continuation of the show Married with Children. <laughs> and it's called Buried with Children. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and little does Marcus know, because we were typing on Facebook, I was like, ooh, okay. And that's I a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I watch Al Bundy try to get out of a grave, like, you know. <laughs> that's the whole, that's the whole movie. <laughs> that's so funny. Dead. Dead. So oh, wait. I'm also working on a space comedy. Sitcom. 
What? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's like uh, yes. that is very much. I love Al Bundy reminded you of yeah, that. Yeah, so I did. Really actually. <laughs> well, it, that's because my one of my comps for that show is actually Parks and Rec. So it's like something super oh, nice. outrageous, but it's like very talking oh, head, oh. very documentary stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love Parks and Rec. Mm. And then finally, I want you to tell everybody where they can find you on Twitch so they can watch <laughs> you stream uh, an assortment of video games. I do. And you're very good at oh, it. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my Twitch is uh, Jess is a mess three. Um, has to be three because some weirdo stole Jess is a mess. I love that Jess. Is, there are at least two other Jesses that are messes yeah. on. Twitch. I actually don't know <laughs> if there are two more, but I was like, if I'm gonna pick a number, it's gonna be my lucky number, which is three. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So that's now, that's what I'm on 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 Twitch. Um, I think it's actually just reg. I haven't multi-streamed to YouTube yet, but I'm setting that up. But I think that was just regular Jesses of this. I wasn't too late on that one. <laughs> yeah. The YouTube Jesses hasn't haven't realized that they're messes yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, they know. Oh man, be there when they figure it out. Yeah. All right, and this week, Meg, you got some news for us. Oh yeah, uh, I thought you were talking yeah. about the image thing. So uh, there's. Oh, I can do yeah. that. Yeah. So um, <laughs> you know, the other week we talked about um, a group of workers at Image Comics were attempting to form a, un- form a union. There are ten of them, and. None of them are creators. Uh, Image Comics is already a creator-owned comic book publishing company. So this was about the workers there, which is going to be the majority. And so they've requested that Image voluntarily acknowledge their union. Image has chosen not to, which a lot of people have really seemed to have attacked online. But... I do want to preface it with that seems to be the norm. Everyone is looking, you know, image comics as a company is looking at their interests and the interests of their employees. And it looks like they're, you know, they're not going to do a public show of this. They're going to go through all the steps that are seemingly pretty standard. That doesn't necessarily mean that I think they're doing the right thing personally, but it also means they're not doing anything that we should be alarmed of yet um so and it seems that the uh i believe um uh, on publishers weekly um they said in a statement the company said that last week the communication workers of america filed a representation petition with the national labor relations board asking to hold a secret ballot election so that eligible members of the image comics office staff can determine if they want the CWA to represent them in their employment with image. So Mm. right now they're looking at having another group come in and hold a vote to see if that is the consensus for what, like everybody wants this because it was just 10 employees who wrote the original letter. I wonder if there are like some specific issues that they're wanting resolved with image, the workers and, and, and that maybe, all of this could be sort of a, I don't know, sort of a, a way of negotiating something perhaps beyond, mm-hmm. you know, it, in order to get more paid time off or mm. whatever, you know, gotcha. they, could, yeah, they yeah, could possibly yeah. for, for, for go the, the whole union thing and just, you know, come to the table on, on that uh, rather than, you know, sometimes, you know, you get the, the sense that these types of things are more about, you know, some sort of specific issue or something that's going on in an office. Uh, 
But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I'm always really pro union. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of understand how, you know, how important it is for, for people to be able to, you know, collectively bargain. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, maybe image can just kind of, kind of just do, do what is, is necessary to, you know, appease their workers mm-hmm. right now. And, you know, while it was fun to speculate wildly on Jess's married with children spinoff, <laughs> like a lot of people are speculating wildly about, you know, what are these reasons? And I think it's important that we don't, we don't assume we know exactly what's mm-hmm. going on because the world and life is complicated. I would love to know. And I'm sure eventually we will find out more about it, but this was just an update that, um, that they did. And the group is, you know, they say they are dis, you know, disappointed and they believe that the election is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I would say that I would be pro union too, but I think an election could also be good because it seems that the argument is cool. Well, let's hear from everyone, not just this group. Um, But I've, you know, I've also worked at places where, you know, they are, you know, and we talked about this. I said, mentioned this last week, you know, they're like, yeah, we're going to let them in the room, but don't you dare join them. So some people are worried that this is giving some of those groups uh, or giving image a little bit of time to, pull some scare tactics Mm -hmm. about what will happen if those workers join a union. Um, And so, you know, it, it's complicated. Like I want to give image comics some credits based on their, um, based on how they began and how they are still very creator friendly. Um, But, you know, that is a concern that this extra time could be to fear monger. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure we'll hear from, somebody on the inside if there is a meeting that's like yeah we're gonna have this vote and if you vote that you want a union yeah you know this and this will happen um you know so it's like we talked about last time you know image is you know pretty much about you know the the power structure Mm is pretty much a few handful you know just a handful of guys uh who founded it uh back in the 90s and you know you know, I'm sure Todd McFarlane will do what's right. <laughs> <laughs> let's just uh, let's just see see how this plays out. I, I've yeah, got faith in. Yeah. It's like one of those things, we, though, with unions. You know, you've they're they are in place to make sure you do have certain protections. If something down the line does happen, that's horrible. That's not good, and you need to be able to have protections if you have to walk away. And I, I think I'm also very pro union. I'm in the in the WGA. Like it's a lot of times it does seem like there's just a lot of mess that happens within unions, but you know, the core of their intention is, is to protect their union members. You know, I think everyone's Mm -hmm. deserved at least to have those protections. And, you know, that's always been key, even with my own criticisms about unions where sometimes, you know, from a teacher standpoint, I've seen, you know, awful teachers be kept in their positions because of the union protecting them. But at the same time, I don't think I'd want it the other way where there was no union protecting us all. And so, you know, I, I I prefer that workers had those sort of protections um, because until, you you know, certain things can be proven, Mm -hmm. you just never know for sure. We shouldn't judge based on people telling stories. Yeah. 
Well, in, um, in, in Arkansas, they can pretty much, you know, yeah. you know do what they want. So, <laughs> you know, whatever yeah, Jess, stories you're telling. I don't see why telling, you left the state. Yeah, I know. I, I should have just should have stuck around, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then from there, uh, Meg, tell us a little bit more light. Let's talk about some more lighthearted stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to mention these real quick. Um, so uh, Disney Plus announced some Marvel shows that are coming to uh, to their streaming service, which is exciting. Also, they just it's it's Disney Plus's second anniversary, and it seems wild to me that wow. they've oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Time is a strange concept these two years. Um, but so, yeah, the one that I'm personally most excited about, and I think the internet kind of is too, is they're releasing a, I mean, they're working on a Agatha House of oh, Harkness. The way show. I'm excited about that show. Yes, I'm so happy to have Catherine Hahn for a longer period of forever. time so forever you're, you're in the mouse house now ma'am <laughs> yeah well, and she was such a complex so character that uh, i was worried that you know being just on that show that she might be forgotten about mm-hmm. or sidelined just to show up on a further wanda story so the idea of a show centering around her sounds really exciting i know i'm so happy i want to just like see an interview of her talking about it because oh, i man. hope that she is equally pumped i'm sure that she is oh. um so yeah so that's happening talk about the television formula really working for a character too. Oh, they I really know. played around with that with her oh gosh uh and and, and oh, that uh, that showrunner is and with brilliant. wandavision in general but yeah, that, really a great job with Jack Schaefer. Jack Schaefer is a showrunner for WandaVision, and I believe she's also doing the Agatha Harkness show. And what a freaking woman. Like, I mean, yes. oh, I'm so excited to see what happens with this show. Yay. <sighs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, she's just, and I have to remind people sometimes, you know, when they haven't thought about the show in a bit, Agatha wasn't really necessarily the antagonist. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Wanda caused a lot of those problems, and Agatha was initially there to observe. Yeah, grief. I mean, grief was the antagonist, which is the key to television. Yeah. Is yeah, theme yeah, yeah. theme is the key to television, mm-hmm. and boy, did that show mm-hmm. hit on it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Gosh, it did so. Well. <laughs> it just took it took a lot of stuff that they could have just as easily ignored and made it. Matter. Oh my god. Um, uh, yeah, they had some teases of some other shows too. Those, uh, yeah, yeah, like She Hulk and. Mm-hmm. Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Moon, Moon Knight. Knight and She Hulk, and um, you know they talked. To, I think they you know mentioned uh, like Ironheart and Secret Invasion. Miss Marvel too, as well. I believe Miss yep. Marvel. Yeah, yeah they did. A and then they were getting a Spider-Man prequel animated series. It is an MCU oh, wow. animated series. Mm-hmm. It's you know, yeah, but it's about Peter um, earlier, which is great because that means we can kind of explore those early years of mm-hmm. his. We, but you know, luckily we didn't have to do that in the movie because yeah. it would have been the third. Time. Spoiler alert: <laughs> Uncle Ben dies. Oh what no! If, <laughs> what if Uncle no. Ben doesn't die? But it's I just know, right? like I hate you. This Peter is a spinoff of What If. Yes. 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 Um. So yeah. <laughs> um. I also have to mention quickly. I know that we've never. This is a sequential art podcast, and so we never <laughs> talk about manga. But I'm going to real quick. <laughs> um. So for those of you who care, which is probably just me, and that's fine. Um. They announced the cast for the One Piece live action series that's coming to Netflix. That is finally coming to Netflix. Um. And I don't know how I feel about that because I am still scarred from the live action Death Note that Netflix did and that's fine but um yeah a lot of people are 
have feelings about the cast. I think it looks pretty good. Um, some people are not as happy about it, but I think everyone looks pretty solid. Um, but yeah, it's only going to be 10 episodes, which I don't really know how they're going to do because the animated series alone is at nearly a thousand episodes. So they're going to be, are I'm not sure. Wow. <laughs> yes. It's wow. at a little over. Yeah. Goodness it's be a me. tight adaptation. Yes. I know. I know so, they have a Dragon Ball I'm situation sure. where they really expand certain Ooh. things to way too long for multiple episodes. Yeah. So I'm sure it can be shrunk down. But even if you shrunk down half of it, you're still at 500 yeah, episodes. Yeah. And I mean, and the, wow. the manga's not even finished. I'm convinced that it will never be finished and that it's just going to be uh. Oda and... Betty White till the end of the ages <laughs> hanging out writing together. <laughs> Maybe Possibly. they'll do like they did uh, Walking Dead because I mean he was still writing those when that came out and yeah they yeah. just they just kind of started from the beginning and we're like we're gonna go as far as we can go in this many episodes and if mm-hmm. we get a season two then we'll keep going. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I feel like that has to be the case, right? Because when you're doing live action, you can be like, "This is going to be endless forever." Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, we're yeah. we're just going to. I mean, go and that's and go what go. they did Unless for Game of Simpsons. Thrones when adapting George R. R. Martin's <laughs> books. His books aren't finished, and they finished that series just fine. Okay, <laughs> listen, I love Game of Thrones. <laughs> I will say it. I'm throwing I'm throwing it out there. Put me on the stake. I love every single season. I love that you just love all of the things. It makes I love me all the things. It's very, it's very refreshing. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I just, Especially with nice. me. Yeah, I like that. I just get so may joyful been... watching things, okay? That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. I may have had less joy on certain parts, but there was, there but, was I, but I feel like the, the cool thing about it is if something's particularly great, I feel like I like it, like it that much more. Like but, when I saw yes. WandaVision, yes. I really yeah. did... I like went full, you know, Buddhist monk and didn't speak for like three weeks. Okay. Because it was yeah. so, it was like, uh, yeah, you know, it was good. Yeah. Was yeah. That, what, WandaVision was like a happy accident for me. Same. I didn't go in thinking that like, oh, this, I was like, this looks quirky and that's, it looks like something I might have fun with. Yeah. I, I didn't expect to love it like I, don't I did. Think anybody and I, did. I really no, because yeah. they, they announced well, the three. They had announced WandaVision, Loki, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I know for me, I was so hyped about Loki that I was like, I'll just get through WandaVision because I'm just waiting on Loki. Yep. But, but yeah. then I watch WandaVision and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Tom legit to disappointed when it was over. I was like, I oh know. man, I'm sad that there are no more. I know. Yeah. Tom Which is, I think, the mark of it being really great. Absolutely. Yes. You, you wanting it. Uh, well, yeah. And to Tom, to speak for your experience a little bit, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that, you know, superheroes isn't like been your favorite particular subgenre. And yeah, yeah. Um, whether it be reading or television or movies, but, uh, but you're so, you're such a great person to watch those things that you don't normally experience with. Because I remember you hadn't seen. Captain America, Iron Man 1 or 2, or Thor, and I showed you the Avengers when we lived together. Yes, And yeah, I remember at yeah. the end of it, you were like, there's more of these. Uh, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. like, those three people have like an origin movie, yeah. and Black Widow shows up here, and I, you were like, dude, let's, please, I want to watch this. <laughs> and I was just so yes, happy. Yeah. It's like and showing so, your kids Star man. Wars. You know? Yeah. It, oh, I man. mean, it really, it really was, you know, because I, I just, I, I had not really been exposed to those characters mm-hmm. You know, especially that first Captain America movie, just watching oh, him yeah. trash these Nazis was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, <laughs> it, it, it was it was a great I really enjoyed 
his movies in the MCU, just tonally, how how different yeah. they are. More genre, yeah. I think, specific than, than the others. Yes. Yeah, you know? I think Feige's done a really good job of like, I think he's also very creator friendly because he's a big old nerd. And he's just like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure showrunner's like, I want to do WandaVision, but like the beginning is like, I love Lucy, and I bet he was like, "Do it." Like, <laughs> That's the thing. Yes, I feel like yeah. so many, so many people wouldn't have greenlit that because it was such a mm-hmm. weird idea that they're like, "Oh no, we can't guarantee yeah. that will be successful." That's the beauty of of um, streaming and the beauty of premium is that again, a lot of times with network, and this is why again, like Eric on our show, he <laughs> he will he will fight until they really give him a legitimate reason why something's a bad idea. Because a lot of times it really does come down to what's worked in the past for network. Um, because you, I mean, it is, I mean, it's all a business, but it's really a business. We're talking about network, but like with streaming and stuff, you know, especially if you're getting your money from the mouse house, you probably have a little more flexibility to be like, hey, I want to do something weird. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, just knowing the uh, history of those characters, I mean, I, I know whenever I was going in, I was, I was thinking, man, they could really do something special mm-hmm. with this, and they did. I agree. Yep. Absolutely. And so we are running out of time. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are running out of, out of time quite a bit. We've this is already the longest <laughs> episode we've had, but it's been so good, and I just was so happy to see Jess. Um, but as always you know, one of my goals when we began this podcast was to ensure that we find good reading Mm. for everyone, for all kinds of readers. This wasn't about focusing just on superheroes. It was, you know, comics are just as, uh, you know, varied as any other medium. And so Jess, as always, what we do with our guests is going to give us a recommendation of something she loved reading. And she thinks that any of you should read too. Yeah. I was completely torn between things that hit on both genres that I write in. So I write sci-fi and I write period. Uh, those are my two lanes. So I was very torn, but I landed on something that kind of marries the two or could marry the two called ENIAC. Um, because that's that kind of sci-fi, that alternate history type of, this is what the first computer in the world actually did to everything. And just the ticking time bomb of it, having our two leads who are queer, it's amazing. Um, the story that they're going through, it's not done. I think I might be an issue behind to figure that out. I need to find somewhere that ships comics. Girl, you got to finish see it. See what I did there? It's We're so one. Yeah, I was like, see what I did there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, um, but it's so good. I really like how they um, merge in the history between the panels in a way that doesn't make it seem derivative. It doesn't make it seem like it's taking away from the story. I think that's really well done. Um, but again, it's just such a cool alternate, alternate history uh, series and highly, highly recommend it. I'm, I'm obsessed. Heck yeah. Well, it and is. you know, that's going to be a difficult a one book. to get a hold of too. So you may have to go online to look for it um, because it is a bad idea published book. And James as the only bad idea, you know, store in the state of Arkansas. Like he knows that they are not releasing trades later on of these mm-hmm. books. They are not collecting them digitally. It is now or never. And luckily ENIAC came out this year. So I think you do have a shot of finding those issues online. But if Bad Idea actually does end as a publisher um, early next year, then it might be harder and harder to find those. So if you're listening in the current year of 2021, you might want to go looking for that Mm -hmm. right away. 
if you're listening to it in 2023, SOL. You're probably not because of the nuclear. Let us let us know. Let us know if it still exists. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget to collect your rocks. Yeah, Uh, we got your rock. Yeah, I love that. I, you know, we talked about that last week. I love it. I think it's so funny. And uh, yeah. Oh, also, did y'all see that bad idea sent some people who sent in their pens for the other passive or aggressive? They sent them an extra book. What? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was something that was included with their original first book. Uh, for some, and they only sent it to fifty people. Mm. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that's awesome. So, like, they're they're making collectors yes. very, yeah. very so happy. so special. Um, and frustrated. Yeah. Also, and that. Frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Really Trust me, it, I know. I'm like, uh, it's that's okay. So I'll funny. quit my job and go away outside. But it's always fun. <laughs> uh, well, that is going to be it for us this week, Jess. Thank you so much for coming to see us. Hopefully, we'll have you out again. Um, just as a reminder for everybody listening, you can support us in a number of ways, whether it be joining our social media communities or donating to us at our Patreon or Ko-Fi accounts. You can find those links in the description below. With this support, we can extend our reach, do more interviews with great writers and artists like Jess Carson. Um, none are going to be as great as her though. And, <laughs> and we can also bring you more great sequential art content because we don't want to stop at just this podcast. So give us a like, a follow comments, shares, and you know, 20 bucks. And we will thank you for everything that you do. We will see everyone next week. So long. So long.